Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Traveling Solo as a Visually Impaired Person to Alaska with Desiree Christian. I'm really excited because I haven't been to Alaska, so it'll be really interesting to see what she informs us of. Just a few reminders, please do keep yourself muted. I'm, there'll be time for questions and answers, at which time we'll have um, Hael let people know how to r- raise their hand and mute and unmute themselves. We just want to make sure it's quiet so everybody can enjoy the information. Let's see. The whole Foundation and Learning Center was is currently celebrating its 60th year and They have a blind-friendly campus outside of Portland, Oregon, of which Desiree is at right this minute with other people. Yay! I am. I am. So instead of of broadcasting to you live from my home in Portland, Oregon, I am now actually on campus at Hull Foundation. It is a place. It exists. You can go to it. Yay. And and we'll tell you later how and about some of the upcoming, you know, some of the retreats and stuff that happens there. So is this your first time on campus, Desiree? It is not. Um, I have a a 19 year old. She is a total. And once upon a time, I used to drop her off here many, many summers in a row because she would go out here to uh, summer camp with a bunch of other blind students and, uh, you know, in between middle school to high school age. So they they do that here in the summer. That's awesome. That is great. So Whole Foundation is doing a big raffle. Um, so if you want to, one of the prizes is a weekend at the beach, and then there's like a $200 cash prize. So there'll be information at the end. And so get your writing devices ready. Um, at the end of the presentation, I'll give you information. But right now, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Desiree. Officially. <laughs> officially, yes. Officially, you can have it. I'll give myself now. <laughs> So once upon a time, long, long, far away in a whole 2016, a different time, a different world, um, I was informed by my eye doctor that I really desperately needed to have cataract surgery. Um, One of my lenses was so foggy, they could no longer see into the back of my retina. So they actually had to use ultrasound to see back there. And they weren't happy with that. Um, and my particular, I think that, uh, my eyes are so fragile that just sitting here talking to you all, I could have a catastrophic retinal detachment, just, just hanging out, doing nothing, not even banging my head, not even whatever, let alone eye surgery. So with that in mind, I was like, the only thing I've ever really wanted to see in person was the Aurora Borealis before you know, there's, there's a chance for me to lose my sight. That, that was it. That was it. Grand Canyon could care less. Um, Eiffel tower. Yeah. I've seen it enough. I've seen buildings. I, I think I can picture it, but that was it. I, I really strongly felt that all the things I'd ever seen was not capturing what, you know, it could be. And I will tell you, no, <laughs> it does not seeing it 
in person is an otherworldly experience. So I had about a month and a half and tax return had just come in and I'm like, bucket list. This is my golden opportunity. I'm going to do it. Um, so I got online and I started doing my research and I, and I was looking up, okay, what, what really do I want to do in Alaska? Well, I am there to see the Rory Borealis who's doing it. Who's got the best reviews. So I looked on Google and I actually used TripAdvisor as a really good resource. They are really good at providing reviews, good reviews. And if you read them, the people there will put them, you know, go into pretty, pretty solid detail which is amazing. However, I don't recommend purchasing anything through them. Um, so I, you know, that did my research, found a local business that did um, or Borealis viewing. They had their own little camp cabin set aside that you would go and hang out. And the thing with the Aurora Borealis is that you're gonna, it doesn't really happen to like one, two, three in the morning. So if you, you ever go, just, just know it's going to be a really, really late night. Um, and so it was this great mom and pop. It was literally a mom, dad, and their kids. And, and it was awesome. And when I said, hey, I'm visually impaired, I can't actually drive out there. They're like, no problem. We'll come and pick you up at your hotel. Not a big deal. Perfect. Excellent. So when I communicated with the dog sledding company, again, it was a small little teeny operation. They were able to give me, you know, the extra little thing that, you know, as a visually impaired person you need, um, you know, so those are, those are the two big things. And I had, when I originally did my research, I had asked, you know, I, I, I was there again, Aurora Borealis and this particular dog sledding company, they had an Aurora Borealis experience or a dog sledding experience. And I was like, I'm cool hanging out with sled dogs because dogs are freaking awesome in a cabin watching the Aurora Borealis. I'm good with that. That is fine. Well, other things were amiss and happened. So it was all good. But I planned a week. Um, knowing that it would probably take that long, depending on weather and, you know, many, many different things. Um, so I went at the end of March, the last week in March, which is right when it's changing from winter to spring and you're getting a lot of things melting. Um, and it was, it was really, really amazing. So I love my home airport, Portland International PDX. It is great. It is fabulous. It is so easy to get in and out of. I have yet to have a problem and our light rail runs to it. Um, so I left my apartment, 20 minute train ride, dropped me off right in front of the terminal, took the escalator up, walked into the airport and listened for radios because I know at PDX they have their little radios and we didn't hear them go off. You know, that there's somebody that works there. So, you know, I was walking down the long check-in flight desk with all the various different airlines. Cause we only have one entrance, you know, like other big airports, you have to make sure you're in the correct terminal. Well, we, we got, we got one, <laughs> we got one entrance and exit it makes it super easy. So I'm listening, you know, for the, for the, for the squawky talkie here, 
hear one, ask for help, no problem. They get me where I need to go. Uh, they get me to somebody who will take me through security, not a problem, get me to my gate. And of course, you get the ubiquitous, do you need a wheelchair? No, I don't. <laughs> I just need an arm. That's it. So they supposedly write it down, you know, call whoever's doing the thing and they bring this wheelchair. You want a wheelchair? You want a wheelchair? No, no, I'm, go I'm good. <laughs> really? I swear I'm good. But here's a wheelchair. No, I just need your arm. Thanks. So uh, they took me through security, made it to my plane, and off I went on Alaska Airlines to Anchorage. It was a lovely flight, no nothing crazy. But what was amazing to me is at the time I still had enough sight, I could see out the window, particularly if I got my magnifier or if I took a picture. And then, you know, blew it up on my screen and it was just covered in snow, like flying into Anchorage, like, like just covered, like everything. And it looked like when water runs through sand and makes, you know, little dips in valleys, except it was like snow and it was rounded ridge after rounded ridge. It was just stunning. And the other really quirky thing is normally when you're looking at a propeller and you're watching it spin round, it's kind of blurry. But when I would look through my camera or my magnifier, it's like it slowed the propeller way down. And I know it's an effect of uh, how often the camera is, you know, uh, well, doing its thing. It has to do with, I know, Michael, you're on here. You probably can explain better than I can. Um, but it really slows the propeller down, like really down. So if you have enough sight and you can see it, do that sometime next time you're in a plane or um, watching a helicopter spin or heck, even your fan, if it's going fast enough, it'll do it. Very interesting. So I land in Fairbanks <laughs> And they were not happy because I refused to check anything. And the person that was helping me from the big Alaska terminal to the little local um, puddle jumper plane. And I'm talking like, it's teeny. It's, you know, maybe a 15 passenger. It is teeny. And it flies you from uh, Fairbank or... Anchorage to Fairbanks and back and forth. And they were not happy. They were like, your backpack is big enough. It should have gotten checked. And I'm like, yeah, but it's my backpack and it fits under my seat. What's the problem here? <laughs> but they, they, they let it go. And so we went, I went and it was awesome. Everybody was like really super friendly, helpful. It was easy to get from point A to point B. The hotel came and picked me up at the airport and it wasn't, I mean, they sort of offered a shuttle service, but they knew to look out for me because I was like, Hey, I can't see. Um, and it just hung out. So they picked me up. It was a little bit colder than I was expecting, but at least there wasn't snow on the sidewalk and, um, you know, hanging out. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't all that bad. So I get into my hotel and they stuck me in this room high up facing the river. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but it goes, it goes right through Fairbanks. And it was the first time I'd ever really seen ice on a river, let alone ice chunks 
backed up against the supports of a bridge going over the river. And it was just like parts of the uh, river were like totally solid. And then like other parts were these huge, huge chunks of ice. It was just fascinating. Again, I had to, you know, take a picture or use my magnifier and zoom the crap out of it in order to see the stuff, you know, everybody else can see. Um, and my hotel experience was a really good one. Again, they were really accommodating. They're really helpful. I just, you know, Hey, I need blah, 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 not a problem. They'd point me in the direction or, you know, completely assist me. It was, it was, it was really great. So the first day, fine, whatever, you know, hung out hotel room. Ooh. And they let me order. I could order, I could get delivery from neighboring uh, restaurants. <laughs> so I will say one of the nights I was there, I actually ordered in for pizza of all things. Um, so the first night it was just hanging out, getting, uh, you know, chillaxing, hanging out. And the next night, the uh, company, and I wish I could remember the name. I know I've got it somewhere, came and picked me up, I think probably about 9 9 p.m.-ish, and then took me out to their place. And it was about a 25-minute drive. And in town, there wasn't really snow. But once you got outside of town and they lived a bit rural, there was definitely snow. It was definitely bumpy, but you know, they lived there. So I wasn't terribly worried and I got to hang out and it was amazing. And that first night when I saw the Aurora, I could not pick it up with my camera. And that's the thing, unless you've got a special, special filter, you're not going to be able to pick it up with your camera or smartphone. However, there are are several different apps out there that will adjust your smartphone's camera to uh, allow for super low light photos, specifically if you're trying to get an Aurora Borealis photo. So they managed to do that. They got a, they got a couple photos of me with the Aurora in the background. And let me pull screen share and then pull that up. So if you're on a computer or whatever, you might actually be able to see it. So the first, where am I? I am here. So the first couple nights, um, where'd I go? There I am. Oh, my screen is inverted. Sorry, guys. The first couple nights, we actually got what you typically see for an Aurora Borealis, which is these long strands kind of wavy. So if you are in the Zoom room and you can see I've got a photo up right now, I'm totally... um, in my parka and my parka went, and then I bought especially for this trip, went from about two or three inches from the bottom of my knees, you know, all the way up to the neck, you know, big, huge hood with the fur lined business. Uh, and I still have the coat. I still wear the coat. I still love that coat. Um, so there's a picture on the screen of 
me there, my face poking up my coat, looking at the camera, my white cane tucked in under my armpit. And above my head, you can see on the left-hand side of the screen, um, some pine trees, some sort of um, probably Douglas fir or something else along with a few deciduous trees because you can see their naked branches. And behind that, you can see what you normally typically see. What media shows you is the aurora borealis, which is lights kind of hanging in the sky. Those ones that night were, were green with a little bit of purple, a little bit of pink, but mostly kind of a pale green and these long lines that that moved like uh in a wave but more like an s form kind of a wave versus like a lapping at the shore ocean kind of a wave and those were my first two nights um and i'm kind of in the center there and those were my first two nights we got some really good shots the second and third night I went out with them was a whole different aurora that I think is much more worth it than the typical mass media shots that everybody's always going for. So much more worth it. And it looked like lace, moving lace, gorgeous um, like the kind of, for, for those that, that still had some sight or once upon a time had sight, if you ever got to see an ocean and the wave would come in, um, on a really flat beach, how it kind of roll up and then spread way out. And you'd see the foam on top of the, the water there as it rolled over your toes versus like a rocky beach and, you know, waves pounding. No, no, no. It, it's it's more the, the flat, calm kind of a wave. And then you see the, the foam with lacy texture. That's what it was like. It was like looking at water in the sky, but like light colored, like as in, you know, like not as bright as sunlight, but like glowing green. It was, it was amazing. And to see that two nights in a row and I could never, and I, and, and my central vision is really screwed. And so is kind of my peripheral, but that's where I could see it. I could kind of see it out of my peripheral. Um, I got a text. Oh gosh, I hope it's saying that I was no longer broadcasting. Um, and it was just, I, it's on my bucket list to go back. Just freaking amazing, 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 amazing. So that was my first four nights there. Um, and then I had a night where I didn't do anything. And the next night I was supposed to go more Aurora Borealis watching and hang out in a cabin with sled dogs, but alas, that was not to be. So I was contacted by this other company and it was black something sled dogs. Um, they were really nice, really, really, really nice. It was this woman who like, I think 12 years before had moved from somewhere else. I wanna say 
like big city and she had gone sled dogging, dogging once and was like, I have to go do this thing. Like she was originally a city and now she's, you know, has several teams of sled dogs runs her own business living out in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. I'm like, talk about somebody following their dreams and doing what they're supposed, what they want to, what they're supposed to. She went for it. Um, so there was her along with um, her partner and then several other, you know, 20 something year olds that were there to gain experience. They were there interning under her, which I thought was fantastic. Um, oh, I hear somebody. Um, so the weather was not playing nice. There was no way that we were going to see the aurora borealis. So they called me up and they said, Hey, how about a different experience instead? Cause I had prepaid for this experience, you know, a nice, a nice tidy sum, but it was so worth it. So they said, it's not going to do that. So instead of us picking you up in the middle of the night, how about we pick you up before dinner time, take you out to a local joint for drinks, live music, then we'll take you back, spend the night, and then we'll get up really, really early in the morning while the snow is not slushy and take you sled dogging, which is why I wasn't expecting to do that. But that's what I did. And I got to go out with them see a local band, drink some good, good beer, and then came back to sleep in a cabin with a bunch of sled dogs under big, huge, thick covers. Cause it really was a cabin way out in the boonies on top of this ridge and got up early the next morning and, um, they made pancakes right there, homemade pancakes and bacon. It was great. Real maple syrup. And then we got to go out, meet the dogs, play with the dogs, check out puppies. Oh, puppies. So the next thing I am going to share is I took video while I was on the sled. And, you know, people think of sleds as being these real rigid kind of things, but they're not, they are really, really flexible, uh, and, and pretty light, which was amazing. And I was like, what the deuce? And it's easier to ride on a sled that has the flexibility to go over rougher terrain. Uh, and it was, it was just, it was freaking amazing. I think I've got the right one. Y'all let me know if you can hear it. Okay, play. Y'all can hear it, right? No, we cannot hear it. No. Uh, okay. So the snow that we're on, um, yes, I'm screen sharing. Why am I not doing sound? So the, the terrain that we were on was, you know, it's, it's, it's springtime. I thought I have to click the, ah, there we go. 
Now I click the right thing. Was, you know, because it's springtime and things are starting to melt. So if we went later in the day than really stupidly early, it would be slush. There wouldn't be anything for us to really write on. So the sound that you should be hearing in a jiffy is going to be the sound of sled going over uh, refrozen snow. And then you should be able to hear a little bit of the dogs. And you go wicked fast. Is it started? <laughs> yeah. All right, let it rip. Video starting. Are you guys hearing it now? Absolutely. Yes, we are. Yes. Excellent. Yes, Excellent. We did hear that. Okay. So I'm actually sitting in the sled at this point, and in front of me are eight, eight dogs. Epic. And, and there, there are eight dogs <laughs> in front of me, and I'm looking at their backsides. And for the record, those dogs go to the bathroom <laughs> while they are running. <laughs> while they're running and if you're sitting in the sled you're kind of at that level oh, no. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> um, so if you if you can see you're seeing their backsides their tails wagging um and they're just they're just doing their thing and the thing about slug dogs is they just have to learn the right and left command, but they're, they're, they are bred to just go. They'll just run. So how you end up stopping a sled is you have this hook that you have to really jam into the ground. And then they turn around and look at you like, oh, we're stopping. Oh, okay. We're stopping. Got it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, and, and when I say you're going fast, you know, you're, you're going like, you know, 30 miles an hour, just, and that's just cruising. That That's just cruising. Wow. Oh, it's, Hey, if you like speed or roller coasters, I highly, highly recommend sled dog, dog sledding because animals and dogs, and then you get to go pet them and hang out with them after. It's great. Um, so and this particular person did uh, Alaskans and Malamutes, if if memory serves, and they have really long, thick coats, and it's usually kind of straight hair, but it's really soft, like a uh, little bit softer than lab fur, and it's a good probably three inches plus long, but it sticks to their body versus like stick out like some dogs, like their hair, they look like giant puff balls with their hair being three inches long. No, not at all. And these guys have uh, pointy ears, um, a little bit wider face than a German shepherd and their coloring is anything. It's usually white underneath like their bellies and the inside of their legs, but their backs and sides tend to be browns, blacks, and grays. And they just love to run. They just, that is their thing in life. They just, they just love to run. Um, and it's, it's really 
I, you know, people always go to Alaska in the summertime, like, no, no, y'all, there's so much to do in the wintertime and it is freaking amazing. Just amazing. All right. I'm going to pull up a video, another video, and this, this will be us stopped. And I, you should be able to hear the dogs kind of playing and I'll, I'll describe what's going on. Was it cold? Yeah, but I was dressed in my big, huge parka. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. So I have a background in, um, outdoor education and advocacy. So, um, that means things like, uh, rock climbing, which once upon a time was my jam, uh, river rafting, backpacking, mountaineering, that kind of stuff. So I kind of had an idea of what I would need to bring and how to layer. So I would be warm. And one of the tricks to that is if you go to an outdoor store, uh, just like when you do a raincoat and when you layer, when you're in this cold of an environment, you want to do that with your hands too. So I had a really warm inside glove and then a mitten that goes over that. That's totally waterproof and windproof. So keeping those two things separate versus trying to get an all-in-one glove is the best way to go when you're out in that, you know, cold. And I think it was in the teens that early in the morning, I mean, if I'd gone earlier in the year, it would have been really cold, but um, to see the Rory Borealis in Fairbanks, the best time to go is the last two weeks in March. Um so I was managing to hold up my smartphone wearing the big, huge <laughs> mitten plus extra uh, mitt over that. Just, yeah, somehow I did it. So this, we had been running for a while and we had let the dog stop and play. And I will attempt to describe what's going on. So we've, you can hear me holding the camera <laughs> and the dogs um, have stopped, and and it was like this <laughs> instant. They're rolling around in the snow. How come some of them are all about the snow, and the others just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. They're watching that squirrel up there. Oh, I just seen that. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. So some were squirrel watching. <laughs> but when we stopped, when we stopped they immediately jumped into the snowbank, And it's not like just like how our dogs usually jump around and play. No, no, they're wallowing in the stuff. They're rubbing their faces in it. They're rolling in it. Still in <laughs> harness. Still in harness. Um, and, you know, just, it was like, wow, you dogs are really built for the snow. Like really built for the snow. They're so happy in the snow. Uh, and as you heard in the video, some of them were squirrel watching, apparently. So there you go. And so where we were at was kind of on top of Ridge uh, on an already uh, driven road. It actually looks like a regular road. And there's trees totally surrounding us. And if I didn't know there were houses dotted, you know, every, I don't know, a couple miles or so, I'd have thought I was really way far out there way way far out there uh and it was it was just it was really amazing and then when I came home uh, a week later it was still super easy 
to get help going to and from the airport when I was out at the airport. I mean, there's, I think I was going to, and I needed to get food and get to the restroom. And again, not a problem to do these things. I, I didn't have, I know some people do have problems, but I, I did not experience that. Um, and the very, very last night I stayed with the people that did the Aurora cabins again, and they let me stay the night and then took me into the airport. And I was like, that is freaking awesome. And it was the first time I had baked oatmeal and that that's the thing. That's really tasty. So that was Alaska. That's why I did Alaska. That's how I got to Alaska. I can't wait to go back again. So feel free to ask questions. How much do the dogs weigh? Um, about 100 pounds-ish, give or take. Okay. And they, they are fluffy and their puppies are terribly cute. They, and they actually live outside kind of all day. They have their own little separate kennels. And when you, um, when they have, you know, their, their litters, they get like their own little separate space and the puppies stay all in the kennel, all wrapped up. It's, it's really cute. Got two raised hands. Do you want me to give instructions on how others can raise their hands? Also, uh, please. yes, please. Absolutely. So, for you PC users, there's a toggle for these commands: Alt A to mute and unmute, and Alt Y to raise and lower your hand. I will do the lowering for you if you all don't mind. Uh, Mac users, um, option Y to raise your hand, command shift A to uh, mute and unmute. For those smartphone users, um, the, there's the mute button in the lower left, left hand corner. On the opposite corner, the right lower right hand, there's a more button. Swipe around, you'll see a raise hand button. If you got a little bit of sight, there's a little bit of, there's a hand emoji there that'll show you what to tap on. For those of you who use a touchtone phone, um, star six is to mute and unmute and star nine to raise your hand. And let's see, 597, phone number ending in 597, you can unmute. Calandra from, from Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, I want I have heard tales about uh, Alaska and their dogs and stuff. But what is the coldest that it could be? I mean, is it like forty below zero? Oh, not that time of year. If you were to go in the dead of winter, like December, January, yes, it would be that cold. But um, March going into April, they really are going from summer or from winter into spring. And there's another picture I can share that is me that I that I took when I was looking out the wind that the cabin 
the Aurora cabin when I was waking, when I was, they had let me stay the night. And so it was like really crazy early morning. And I took a photo of, um, let me get this up. So people who have vision and are here can see. And around their, around Strength. the, uh, cabin was a lake from all the melting snow. And when I say a lake, they, they would actually tell me that, you know, in a, in a, in a week or so it would be even more lake-like and they could get small little fish out of it. And I was just like, wow, no way. <laughs> um, but it's so lake-like that they even had a little dock coming out of it and let me go back to regular colors so people can see regular colors no that was the wrong one uh, 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 uh. i think it's that one. Oh no that's just me with the dogs after the sled ride that one that's just a close up there we go so I'm looking at a screenshot out and, and this was just changed within a week. It was this, you know, lake, like when I initially got there, no, not so much, but it was so much of a lake. They actually put, um, what do you call those things? Pallets, wooden pallets that you normally ship stuff on. And those things, you know, are a good six plus inches tall, but they were using them one right after another on the ground to make a temporary bridge because it's just a lake there. It's, it's just a pond. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at the dock that runs from where the cabin is out to where dry land is over the pond. And you can see very clearly the reflection because the sun was just coming up and you can see clearly the reflection of some trees in the water, in the very calm, still water. And there's dry ground and there's still snow. And yeah, very, it was just, it was just such a good experience. It really was. You ready for the next question? Yeah. This is from your mom, Teresa. You may mute. Hey there. I have three questions. Hey, mama badass. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got to interact with the dogs when they were not working, what was that like? What breed of dog did they use? And did they tell you about the training? Um, yes, yes, and yes. They used <laughs> both Alaskan and Malibutes. That was their particular choice of dog. And they were friendly, but kind of offstandish, but not like, you know how Germans can be offstandish and offstandish and it feels like they're snubbing you. Yeah. These guys were like offstandish as in, I'm not interested. Not, not that they didn't, weren't trying to snub you. They're just like, there's more interesting things to be interested in. Yes. I'll hang out with you, but yeah, I'm going to go be interested somewhere else. That's interesting. <laughs> and did they talk about the training? Um, yeah, they just had to train them on left and right because they just run naturally. And again, as I said, to stop, you're, you're throwing this huge 
pick into the ground is kind of flat and then curved. And we're talking the thing is a good two, probably about, about probably about a foot and a half from the top of the hook to the bottom of the hook, like the part wow. that actually lands in this into the snow. And and you know, it, it's a giant, giant hook. It is gonna you're not going anywhere. And they usually throw it into the ground to get the sled to stop. And then they'll jump on it to make sure it's really secure in, in the snow. So that sled's not going anywhere because the dogs don't learn stop. They just learn left and right. And I think it's uh gee and ha or something like that. I mean, it's been a bit, um, somebody else on here might know, but yeah. And there's all different kinds of sleds, depending on the terrain, depending on what kind of snow you have, depending on what you're going to do for, you know, the particular activity. So like something they're going to use on a day trip is going to be different than something they're going to use on a long haul. And they let me drive the sled. That was really, really, really fun. That was so fun. But I, so, I, I, uh, I couldn't get video of that while, while driving the sled. That just wasn't, you know, <laughs> not happening. Next. So, Pam, you can unmute now. Pam Coffee. Okay. I'm assuming you had a navigator when you were driving the sled. Yeah. Mm. So what they did was they stuck... Um, another little sled behind me and had them kind of tethered. Uh, oh, so okay. they did, they did that. And then they also had a smaller team with, a, a another, a, you know, I think that team was only four dogs mm -hmm. and it would, it was, it would follow us. It would, it would trail us. So they, you mm -hmm. know, they had to, and it was the, the woman who actually owned the business and her partner mm -hmm. and that's how they did it. And they didn't really have to give me any instructions other than the only thing they did was, Hey, we're going to stop now. And because of that trailing sled, they'd hooked onto the main one. Mm -hmm. um, they dropped the sled hook, the, the, the brake per se. Uh -huh. <laughs> to, and they said like, okay, we're going to drop the brake. And then they did. And they took mm -hmm. me through uh, some pretty deep snow that hadn't really melted and was more like fresh powder. Oh, wow. Cause it was, cause it was under the tree. So the sunlight couldn't get to it and melt it. And mm -hmm. we were like the first people going through there and you would not want to walk through there if you didn't have snowshoes. So wow. that, that's where they let me drive the sled is way back in there. And the dogs, they just do their own thing. They just, they just tow you. They just pull you. They just go. <laughs> And, and, and if you have, it, it's like, if you have to tell them right or left, it is a general guideline versus you must do this thing. They just somehow know, but it is home ter It was home territory where we were. So. And do these dogs, I know this is going to sound like a dumb question, but do these dogs actually bark because. Oh, yes. Siberian, Siberian <clears throat> Huskies tend not to bark we had a neighbor that had one and that dog I never ever heard him bark he would moan and the first time I heard it I thought <laughs> what on earth was that 
but um, no, the, these dogs would definitely bark. They're more <laughs> of, I wouldn't, I don't say yip, but they mm-hmm. do have a yip, but they're, uh-huh. you know how some of our dogs will, can, you know, kind of bark deep and low. I know my lovely yep. golden retriever, she would actually say woof. She would go uh-huh. woof, woof. Yes. Whereas these dogs barked a little bit, a lot, a lot higher in register, even though like hmm. they're big dogs, right? No, uh-huh. no, no. They, they barked higher in register mm-hmm. and you could tell it was like communicating to one another versus, or mm-hmm. communicating excitement versus communicating to the human, which is what, you know, we're used to experiencing with our Got service it. dogs. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, Nora. Hey, good afternoon. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? Doing great. I love this. Thank you so much for this wonderful presentation. And in the summer, I want to ask you, in the summertime, what is the highest temperature that can get in during the summer, summer months? Depending on where you're at in Alaska, 80, 90, and you're far enough north that you're, you know, it's you know, noon, 1am, and the sun is still very much out. It really hasn't set and people are doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And one more question. Mm-hmm. How, old, how old can the dogs be before they uh, get to be a sled dog? That is a good question that I do not know the answer to. I would say oh. Professor Google that or Lady A that or something of that nature. Thank you. Sure. No more raise hands, Desiree. Well, now what? (laughs) (laughs) This is is Carrie Desiree. You you mentioned you want to go back. Are you wanting to go back in the winter or go experience a different time of year up there? I totally want to go back in winter. I was there specifically to see the aurora borealis with, you know, dog sledding and hanging out with sled dogs was kind of like the side thing was kind of like that. Oh yeah. You know, let's mm-hmm. do something else while I happen to be here. Um, you know, cause I was there for a week and I knew that the weather wouldn't necessarily always hold out and, you know, nothing like a good dog fix. It just turned out that the weather was not in our favor to see, so they had me do something else instead of hanging out with dogs. I, I actually got to go on a sled. It was unexpected and yay. That's cool. It's a raised hand. It's um, 597 again. What's up? This is, Cal- this is Calandra again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the question I was going to um, you mentioned sled dogs. Um, were there any interesting people that you hung out with on that trip when you were traveling? In the traveling process, I'm sure there were, but nobody stood out. Who really stood out to me? were the two small business owners that, you know, one was running a 
here's have an Aurora Borealis experience, you know, and they had, it was a huge, it was a relatively good size cabin, probably a good hundred feet by I'd say 50 feet. There was a wood stove in there. They had all these couches to hang out out in there. They had drinks, they had snacks, they had um, tables and chairs you could sit at if you wanted to play games or actually sit there and eat. They had blankets, they had extra, all the, both, both places, both private businesses that I um, encountered with had gear for you for the activity that you were doing. So they had boots, they had all the things you needed in so many different sizes. You didn't really have to worry about bringing your own gear or a lot of times when you're going to do a pretty big outdoor activity, if you go to your local outdoor store, you can rent gear, anything from shoes to jackets to um, insulated pants. Like normally that's what you do, but they're in the business of taking you on outdoor adventures. So you don't actually need to bring any extra gear. They have it there for you. Um, so it was, it was fantastic. But both, both places were like that. Both places were amazing. And it was the people that really stuck out to me. So it's like, if you go to Alaska and you do some of the quote unquote tours or adventures, if you can find a small mom and pop company that are doing it, like they're, they're the people to go with. Teresa, you have another one? Alrighty, I have two questions. Um, <laughs> and it's about 10 till the top of the hour, by the way. Okay. Um, so about how many hours every night does, does the Aurora show? How long do you get to watch it? Anywhere from 15 minutes to three or four hours. It just all depends on the night, the weather, you know, what, what the, what the interstellar, you know, what, how, how much, um, what's the who's that the sun is putting out? Cause that's, it's the interaction between solar flares and other solar radiation and the magnetic um, thing that I can't think of that the, that the planet has that gets us our aurora borealis, both in the northern and southern hemisphere. So I think maybe my next bucket is to go see in Antarctica. I heard with like within the last week, an astronaut talking about seeing both of them at the same time from space. Yes. And that was pretty amazing. If I can ever get to space to see that, you betcha. <laughs> Um, the other question is, how many people were there viewing it when you were? Uh, everything from just me there a couple of nights to there was, um, I think it was three nights in a row. There was a group from, I think, China, young people, like early, early 20s. And one of them came up to me. It was one of the guys came up to me and he's like, you're traveling alone? Yes. How can you travel alone? And I thought to myself, quite easily. <laughs> like, of course. It was just like this big. Did uh, he mean that in regard to your vision or just a woman? I think alone? I think both. I think both. Because I don't mm -hmm. think he quite figured out, 
you know, how much vision I didn't have. Cause that was not my first night there when they showed up, that was my second night in that cabin. So I had a really good layout of the land and didn't have to use my stick. Did you get any information or clues from how other people were reacting? Yes. The, and it was a group of about 15 um, young people from China, China. And they were very, very excited. There was um, giggles and I don't want to say screams, squeals. I would say squeals and excitement. And they, at one point were putting on their, cause they were trying to get pictures, group pictures in the middle of the night <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, smartphones, cameras aren't necessarily built for low light. So one of them would hold up a shiny light and then try to take a group picture. Well, for me, that meant that washed out the entire night sky and I couldn't see squat. So it was a balance between trying to get them, you know, to not use their light and trying to get me far enough away so I could see out of my peripheral vision, what was happening in the sky. Okay, that's it. I'll quit quizzing you. <laughs> I could go on, but I know we're running out of time. I'll mute. <laughs> no more raised hands. And we are seven till the top of the hour. I can take one last question. And then I think we'll have to call it good. Looks, oh, I see. Sandra again. Uh-huh. Yeah, the question that I had on my mind was, and I know you probably don't get this very often, um, what restaurants did you go to and what kind of services did you get there? I got very good service. I went to a Vietnamese restaurant that was about three blocks away. I was actually concerned about whether or not I'd have to encounter ice and it being slippery. And I didn't, they had the sidewalks very well groomed, very well sanded. Um, and it was really interesting because there you actually have to go through, um, I don't want to call it a mudroom, but it's not necessarily a foyer, but there's the initial entrance that you go off, that you go into a building and it's, you know, to get off the snow, the mud, the, you know, whatever. And then you go into the main part of the building and there's usually a door that opens and closes not at the same time, but at different times. So they can, you know, keep that other room isolated and the heat in the building. And boy, how do you do they run their buildings hot? Like normally at least 70, like everywhere I went, at least 70. Which like normally <laughs> I grew up, you know, most of you 68. So yeah, but I got really great service everywhere I went. People were so friendly it was not hard to get help even walking around on the street um, in winter, which you think wouldn't have a lot of traffic. It was still not hard to get somebody to help me find something. 
Well, thank you, Desiree. What an interesting trip and makes me want to go, but you know, I, I want to go you on a should. cruise to Alaska. <laughs> I'll screw the cruise. <laughs> Get I off that cruising. boat. I only, went, I only went cruising once. I've always wanted to. I think it's a great way to travel. It's a great way to travel. So, you know, I want, well, there's excursions. There's always excursions, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you for sharing your adventures. And I'll go ahead and go through our uh, announcements. So, want to thank all of our contributors and members because without their support, these members wouldn't be possible through Whole Foundation and Learning Center. Next week, because this is our last one this week, um, we have several calls and I'm not going to give you the times so you can watch the ACB community call, but better yet, you'll reach out to Whole Foundation and get their list because not all of them are on the ACB list. We have a decluttering class with Teresa, who you've heard here today. There's basics of hand sewing part two that Desiree will be facilitating. And you do not have had to go to part one, did you, Desiree, to do this, correct? No, but if you went to part one, you got a list of materials that you'll need because part two is the actual doing of. Okay. All right. Okay. So I missed part one. So, you know, I'd be half lost. No. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you already have the materials. (laughs) True. Then we have presuming competence, which Hiel, our ACB host today, will be doing. And then we have cabin fever coping through art. And I know Deb Marinos is facilitating that one. And then traveling outside your local area. And I think Mary Lee Turner is um, doing that. And then, ooh, this one's interesting is blind culture. Does it exist? And I think Marge and Teresa are pairing up on that one. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we are in in the middle of a big raffle. So there's a opportunity to win a weekend at the beach or $200 cash. That's the beach of Oregon. I'm uh, presuming. And the raffle runs through May 31st and you can find out about that. And also if Desiree, are there any post-session notes for this trip today? Mm, no, I don't really have no, any. Okay. I mean, you know, it was yeah, just exactly. sharing really pictures just and telling a story. So Exactly. So, But we do have a monthly newsletter and a weekly email list um, that goes out on Mondays that has all the Zoom information for the ones that we do. So you can get a hold of the whole foundation by dialing 503-668-6195. Again, 503-668-6195. You can email us at oralwhole at gmail.com. And that is O-R-A-L-H-U-L-L at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.wholeparkfortheblind.org. And that's H-U-L-L Park, F-O-R, theblind.org. And we always end with some jokes and something to make you think about. Let's see. I was looking for some traveling jokes online, and I kept reading joke after joke after joke. But none of them would land. All right, maybe a groaner. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so a point to ponder. Traveling, it leaves you speechless and turns you into a storyteller. 
And that was by Didma Batuta did that. So thank you everybody for joining us and we hope to see you back next week.